are listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Today's reading is in John 21, verses 20 to 25. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is a disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the word of God. Well, welcome to Sojourn. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. It's... And that's Roni. (laughs) You're fine, man. (laughs) It's good to gather with you. I'm looking forward to diving into uh, John 21 and wrapping up our Seeing Jesus sermon series today. So before we do that, though, would you go to Lord in prayer with me? Let's pray. Oh God, we come before you this afternoon and just want to acknowledge the fact that you are magnificent. God, you are glorious in every way. It would take all of eternity for us to wrap our minds around who you are. And yet, God, you made yourself known to us. You've allowed us to be in relationship with you. And so, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your steadfast love and your amazing grace towards us. And so as we finish the gospel of John today, I pray, God, that you would help us by your spirit once again to see Jesus, that we would see Jesus rightly so that we might follow him fully all the days of our life. So God, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in this time. We pray that you'd bless it. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I really uh, enjoy good storytelling, whether it's a, a movie or a TV show or a book. Like a good story, it captivates you, it draws you in to what's being told the whole time. You're engaged, you're locked in. But the thing about all stories is that all stories have conclusions. Eventually, they come to an end. Sometimes the conclusion feels unresolved and open-ended, leaving you with more questions than answers, leaving you wondering. Sometimes the conclusion ties things off in a nice, neat bow, and sometimes the conclusions are epic. Like they're so big, so surprising that it leaves you in awe as the story comes to a close. Well, as we come to our text today, we come to the conclusion of the Gospel of John and our Seeing Jesus sermon series we've been in now for almost two years. And what we see at the end of this Gospel account is an epic conclusion, an epic conclusion that involves you and involves me. I'm excited to dive into this with you today because once again, we'll have the opportunity and a chance to be in awe of the real and risen Jesus as we fix our eyes on him, the one who came to us as one of us to rescue and redeem us. I'm also excited to dive into this with you today because today 
is our last official Sunday as Sojourn before we enter into this next part of our story as we join together with Redeeming Grace Church as one new church here in Fairfax. And this text and our time together in it today is a fitting way to celebrate the work that Jesus has done in and through our life together. Now listen, if you're new here or you're not yet a Christian, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here today specifically because my hope for you today, what you'll see as we spend our time in God's word, as we continue to sing is how amazing Jesus is, how amazing he is. And in that, that you'll jump in with us as we continue to strive to see him rightly and follow him all the days of our life. And if you're a regular attender, or a member here at Sojourn, whether that's been for a short time or for the last almost nine years, I'm really glad you're here as well. And I hope what you're here today is what you've heard through all of this time, what you've always heard, that we have and we serve an amazing Redeemer and that you also will be encouraged and that you'll be led to give thanks for all he's done in you and through you, in us and through us over these last nine years. So with that, let's dive into John chapter 21 for one last time as we see Jesus more clear, and may we see him more clearly today. As we come to our text today, we see that Jesus is risen. He's come out of the tomb, out of the grave. He is alive, and he's made himself known to the disciples. He's appeared to them now on multiple occasions. Last week, we had the opportunity to see his gentle presence with his disciples, and we were reminded that Jesus is a gracious redeemer as he redeemed and restored Peter. Jesus ended this moment of redemption, this moment of restoration with two critical words for Peter. He said to him, follow me, follow me. As we come to our text today, it starts with a continuation of that scene before John brings his story to an end. See, when Jesus told Peter to follow him, it was a call for Peter to orient the entirety of his life around Jesus, that Jesus would be the center of everything that Peter does. But in verse 20, we see that Jesus and Peter are actually taking a walk and someone else is following behind them. Look at verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So Peter sees this guy following after him and we learn later in verse 24 that it's actually the apostle John. And it's a little bit strange that he describes himself in this way. We might wonder, why is he talking in the third person? Why is he describing himself like this? Well, really it's two reasons. One, he doesn't want to draw a whole lot of attention to himself. And secondly, because he's establishing his credibility that he has spent intimate time with Jesus, extensive time with Jesus, learning from him, listening to him, seeing his words and his works. Peter sees John and essentially wants to know, as we see in verse 21, what about him, Jesus? What's his story going to be? See, the cost of discipleship for Peter would be high. Jesus told him that eventually he would indeed lay down his life for the fame of Jesus, for the name of Jesus. So Peter, looking at John, wants to know, hey, what's going to happen with this guy? Is his fate going to be the same as mine? Jesus responds in verse 22. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain, meaning John, until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus essentially answers Peter, it's none of your business. My will for him is my will for him. But you, Peter, you follow me. He says those words to him again. 
And they're words that all of us need to hear regularly. All of us need to be reminded of regularly, called to frequently. Jesus calls you to follow him. He calls you to follow him. Follow me always and in all ways. Follow me with all of who you are for all of your life. Make Jesus the center of your life, that all of your life would be oriented around who Christ is. Let him sit on the throne of your life. Don't try to be the king of your life or the queen of your life. You're not going to be any good at it. Follow Jesus as he guides you and leads you in the way everlasting. See, follow me is an invitation to Peter and it's an invitation to all of us to a life full of grace, a life with Jesus and for Jesus. What we have to see in this interaction is that while we are called to live in the context of community, none of us are meant to be lone rangers in our spiritual journey. We're not supposed to follow Jesus by ourselves. It's never a just you and Jesus kind of thing. While we're called to live in the context of community, what we have to see in this is our relationship with Jesus is still our own. We still have a personal relationship with him and him with us. See, God is at work in Peter's life and God is at work in John's life. Their stories may be different, but their savior is the same. And so we have to be careful. We were just talking about this with community group leaders this morning, that we're not tempted to put all of our hope and our faith in our community and not spending time with Christ on our own, or the opposite, that we put all of our hope in just that relationship with Christ and don't see the importance of community. We need to see those things come together. This means, though, that if you are called, or you call yourself a follower of Jesus, your obedience to Christ, your following of Jesus is never contingent on the obedience of somebody else. If they're not obeying Jesus, that affects your obedience to Jesus. Whether it's popular or favored in our world or culture, the only thing your obedience is contingent on is the call and command of your risen Savior who says to you now, follow me, follow me. So let me ask you, are you following Jesus? Not just with your words, but with the entirety of your life. Is your heart and mind and your worship oriented around Christ? Are you striving to follow him in all ways, all of the time? If not, my guess is all of us, I know all of us at different points are going to struggle with this. If that's not where you're at today, let me encourage you to turn away from your sin and repentance and turn to Jesus in faith, whether that's for the very first time in your life right now in this moment, or maybe for the thousandth time or the hundred thousandth time, turn again to Christ. His grace is sufficient for you, for every aspect of your life. And all of his commands, all of his commands are always for your good and for your joy. Now, when we come to verse 23, John clears something up for us. Apparently, in a rumor had been started that when Jesus made this declaration to Peter that what it meant was is that John wouldn't die, that he would live forever until Christ came again. But what Peter, I mean, what John tells us matter-of-factly is that's not true. That's not what Jesus said. But in verse 24, John reiterates to us what he, what he has said is actually true. Look at verse 24. This is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. John's saying, look, I've told you all these things about Jesus. I'm bearing witness to them. The words and works of Jesus and God's people know that what John has been saying, his testimony of all these things is actually true. John didn't just write this though for the sake of information. 
John wrote this so that we could see Jesus. And then in seeing Jesus, we might believe in him. And in believing in him, we might have life in him. Then comes the epic conclusion, not only of this section, but the entire story. Look at verse 25. John writes, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself cannot contain the books that would be written. Man, I love this. I love this. John has been seeking to show us Jesus. He's been seeking to put him before us by telling this grand story of his life and ministry. As we've been walking through the gospel of John, we've seen Jesus perform miracles, healing those that were sick, bringing people from death to life, turning water into wine, all kinds of things we've seen Jesus do. We've seen him encourage and challenge the way that we think and the way that we live, how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we view others. And he has shown us that he is the very son of God and savior of the world. The one who willingly went to a cross to die in your place for your sin. That on the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was poured out on him and it was satisfied completely and fully so that Jesus could declare over us for all eternity, it is finished. He paid for it all. See, what John has done through this gospel is to declare to us the greatness of Jesus, the greatness of who he is. And what he's trying to tell us now in verse 25 is we don't know the half of it. We don't know how great he really is. Jesus has done so much, the world itself couldn't contain the pages and books that would need to be written to tell that story. The depth and breadth of all that Jesus has done through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection couldn't be put into a box or limited to a few pages. Why? Because Jesus is the preeminent one. Jesus isn't just a king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the overcomer. He is our only mediator between God and ourselves to be reconciled to him. He came to us taking on our humanity to rescue and redeem us. Jesus is gentle and lowly and he's faithful and true. Jesus also is alive, not only ruling and reigning and sustaining the universe that we find ourselves in, giving us our very life and breath in this moment, but also stands before the Father as our advocate. As the accuser accuses us day and night, Jesus over and over again says, paid for, done, finished. That means that what John is saying here isn't hyperbole, it's reality. He's not trying to just exaggerate about the fact that all of the books of the world couldn't fill up all the works of Christ. He's saying this is who Jesus is. He's exhaustive in his grace towards us and his work in us. The magnitude of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he is doing is magnificent. And our our time in the Gospel of John over these last almost two years is just but a tip of the iceberg of who Christ is. That means there's so much we don't know. Our minds are limited in our understanding. They're finite. It's humbling. But it's also an invitation to you, an invitation to keep pressing in to see Jesus more and more. You and I never move on. We never move on from our need for our risen redeemer. So let me ask you, do you see him? Are you striving to see him? Will you continue or start to believe in him? How many people have iPhones? I'm not trying to out you if you don't. Okay, so when you're texting somebody with an iPhone, and you have the the message open, what comes up on the screen 
if they're responding to you at the moment. Dot, 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 right? It's called an ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. And what, what does that communicate to you? Like, they're, they're actively communicating to you. You're, you're waiting and seeing. It's trying to keep you engaged. It's like, don't go away. Something else is coming. It's telling you to wait and see what's going to pop up next on the screen. Verse 25 in the Gospel of John is an epic conclusion, but in many ways, it's a continuation because Jesus is still at work in our world and in our lives. So John's gospel doesn't end with a period, not even an exclamation point. Really what it ends with is a dot, dot, dot. Jesus is still at work. See, when John says that the whole world couldn't contain the many other works of Jesus, John is talking about the fact that in Jesus and through Jesus, that men and women from every tribe, every language, and every nation are being saved and being redeemed. The kingdom of God is expanding. What John's saying here, who he's talking about is you and me. Jesus is still at work. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. But if you are in Christ, you've been made alive. You once had not received the mercy of God, but in Christ you have received mercy. You were not a people, but in Christ you are God's people, brought into his family. Now we have to understand the uncontainable works of Jesus don't guard us against difficulty in our world. Jesus told us that would be the reality and most of these early followers would lay down their life for him, suffer for him, but the gospel has continued over and over again to move forward, and it will continue to do so. You and I are evidence of that as individuals and as a church. And our lives as individuals and together are a testimony to the work of the real and risen Jesus, the dot, dot, dot of this story. So today, I wanna do something a little bit different. I want you to stand up and testify. I want you to to share what Jesus has done in your life in and through this church. Not to boast about sojourn. We're nothing apart from Christ. We have nothing apart from Christ, but to boast in Christ. So what we're going to do now for the next 20 minutes or so is I have a microphone right here. I'm going to set it up here. And I'm going to invite you, if you feel led by the Spirit, just to come up and share a short story of grace like one to two minutes. I know you could tell 20-minute stories, and we'll have time for that. But just a short little story of grace of how Jesus has been at work in and through your life. And then I'll come back up and close out our time in God's Word, and we'll lead, lead us into communion before we continue to respond in worship. So brothers and sisters, stand up and testify. Um, hello. Whoa. All right. Um, Uh, My name's Scott Cooper, if you haven't met me. um, Hello. Um, I have been a part of Sojourn since October of 2012, so uh, naturally, you know, going on almost a decade, uh, (laughs) they're going to have played a big part in my life. Um, So my wife and I started coming to Sojourn uh, when we were almost dating. Um, I say that because I was... um, head over heels for her, and she was open to the idea. Um, So, um, so, you know, during that um, beginnings of our relationship, I um, just had older, wiser men in my life through our community group, through man school, um, really just pouring into our relationship. 
helping me become more spiritually mature um, to eventually lead her well in marriage. Um, and so um, I just have <laughs> so much thanks for those men in my life that have kind of helped me get to that place spiritually um, to lead my wife. And then um, uh, two, or sorry, uh, three years ago when her father passed away, um, we just had so many people rallying around us, um, coming up to the funeral um, and, you know, just pouring into our lives after that. Um, the other quick, quick story. Um, so when we first started coming to Sojourn, um, in 2012, I was not on speaking terms with my brother. Uh, we had a pretty volatile relationship growing up, um, and I felt pretty justified to cut him out of my life, and it was only through um, men like Craig Mall really pushing me and challenging me and helping me understand that, biblically speaking, I don't really have um, that kind of luxury to just cut people out of my life um, for my own comfort. And so um, through those challenges, um, you know, my brother and I were able to seek reconciliation to the point where not only is he a member here now, not only is he like leading worship here, but we're also neighbors and I would call him one of my best friends. So um, yeah, I have a lot <laughs> to, to think about um, just this church community and the way that God has used it in my life. Do this. Um, I can say with almost 100% certainty that Chip and I are the oldest people in Sojourn's congregation. If anyone else is older, please raise your hand. No. Um, and I always knew, of course, one day we would be the old folks at church but it happened a little sooner than I was expecting. But that's because we have a deep personal relationship with the Sojourn Church Planner. And from the very beginning, we wanted to be a part of it. And we have friends that ask us, what's it like to go to church where everybody there is your children's age or younger? And we're like, oh, it's great. They make us feel young. But what we're most grateful for is we have seen and heard <clears throat> your passion, your enthusiasm, and your joy in sharing Jesus and proclaiming the gospel. No qualms. You do it readily. And you have taught us that we need to be bolder in living out our faith and in sharing Jesus every day. And for that, the Pearsons thank you. Hey everybody, I'm Kevin. Um, so maybe uh, connected to what Carolyn said, um, I was over the last week kind of going through my brain of Sojourn memories. Uh, Scott, I don't know where you were, but uh, we started going around the same time, October 2012. It's a pretty crazy time for Shelby and I. Um, but I was thinking about uh, two people in particular. So this isn't a direct personal story, but uh, one guy is a coworker I had named Scott. Um, I don't know if you remember Scott, he spent a fair bit of time in your basement. Uh, but uh, like the first conversation I had with him, uh, he just sort of like poured out his whole train wreck of a life to me. Um, 
And I was like, hey, I think you're confused about what it means to follow Jesus. You should come to community group with us, which at the time met in Justin and Amy's basement in Penderbrook, if anyone remembers the townhouse, um, which was like the next night. He came and was just so struck. He was like, I've never been in a group like this where people just share what's going on in their life and people actually listen and ask questions and pray together and things like that. So Scott stuck around for, I don't know, maybe two months, something like that. Uh, And I remember there was one sermon. He had this very workspace, you know, if you do good things, God will reward you, uh, idea about who God was and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I remember we were going through Colossians, and I just was so excited because I was like, there's no way anyone could walk out of a sermon like that and think, I just need to do more to earn God's favor. And like the second service was over, Scott was like, man, it was so cool how the pastor was like explaining to us the things we needed to do so that like, you know, God would like us. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, but the short of it is, is because of the people in, in the caring way that we have lived our lives and in you have lived your lives, Scott's life really went on a completely different trajectory. He didn't stick around Sojourn. He ended up getting baptized. He came to faith and got baptized at Fair Oaks Church, which later became Expectation Church. And I lost touch with him. I have no idea what happened to him. Um, Fast forward a few years, there's another guy who is a friend of a friend named Jatinder, who may sound familiar to some of you. Uh, Extremely difficult person. Combative, uh, just, you know, liked to do whatever he could to get under your skin, Uh, upset you, offend you, say things that are just kind of mean and hurtful. But he kept coming, and, you know, I would ask, like, it seems like you don't really like anybody. Why do you keep coming? He's like, well, because people are nice to me, and no one's one's nice to me. You know, Jatinder's guy, I don't know what happened either. His mom got a new job. He moved to Texas. I have no idea what happened to Scott or Jatinder. But when I was thinking about, like, the last eight and a half years, there's probably a lot of people like that who we've had a a pretty profound impact, whether for a short period of time or a long period of time. And that just really encouraged me to think there's probably dozens of folks like Scott and Jatinder. Those are just stories from my personal circle. And, you know, there's been uh, 100 members, plus or minus 30 or 40 over the years. Uh, And that's just pretty incredible and very encouraging. So, you know, a lot of love from Shelby and I to y'all, and it's been a fun ride. Um, so I'm Danny, and I think I've been here for six and a half years, maybe, which is way longer than it feels like. Um, but I think the the way that I can sum up like the impact that this church has had on me is when I first started coming in 2014, if you had asked me what church was, like I think I would have said it's a bunch of people who show up to listen to the same podcast live <laughs> that happens to be about Jesus. Um, I had no, like, concept of commitment or the fact that, like, oh, these are the same people that come here every week. These are people who have committed to each other, who live out their faith side by side, not just on Sunday mornings, but week to week. And I think in Sojourn, being a part of Sojourn, um, I have just grown so much in my faith in seeing that when when I walk alongside Jesus, it's not just me and Jesus, but there's a whole community of people who are committed to each other. Um, And I think I've really just understood what it means when 
the Bible says that the church is a family, right? A family is some people who aren't leaving, right? They're people who will love you no matter what you do and people who you committed to love no matter what they do, right? It's difficult. There are different types of people, right? There are people who are older than you, something that I didn't have a lot of experience with in my faith when I first came here, right? All I knew was college students. But over the years, I can just look around almost everyone and say like, yeah, these people are my family. Well, all of you guys are my family. (laughs) There are some new faces that I haven't seen as much in person. Hey, 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 hey. Um, But yeah, I would just say that Sojourn has been the church that has taught me that church is a family and that it's for the long haul as well. So, and you guys are all my family, not just, not just some people. Yo, I'm Andy Thrasher and I am a sojourner who is long in exile in Virginia Beach. Um, So much of what I'm gonna say comes out of what I have observed from afar. Uh, So, Paul in Romans 12.10 commands us to outdo one another with honor. So I want to do that with a couple of people and also to testify to something amazing that I've seen and something that amazing happened to me because of Kevin and Shelby Krushak and Justin Pearson. Uh, I was at Mason between 2010 to 2014 and I'm emotional and nervous. So um, Kevin and I had a class together every semester of college from my second semester to my second to last semester. And Kevin poured into me along with some other guys from crew. I'm sure some, some of y'all know Matt Bedker and Eric Henry who were always uh, frustrated with me. And I think Kevin and Justin were with me as well because I understood to a certain extent the gospel because I studied religious studies and other religions and theology and philosophy of religion, and especially the abhorrent Ryman Panikar to Justin and Kevin. Uh, So I'm now teaching at uh, Mason, which is a blessing to come back after so long away from Northern Virginia. I came to faith after I left Northern Virginia, but Justin's preaching intellectually baptized me and prepared me for the gospel. And Sojourn Church, I remember also your townhouse, Justin, and your community group that Kevin had randomly invited me to. And (laughs) I saw authentic love live for the first time in my life. I grew up in a very volatile household. And in my research now, for my own research, I can't remember this person's name, but there's a Cambridge scholar in the 1990s said, the most effective way to evangelize is to preach truth and to have a loving community. And at the cross, I found both of those after I left, but I saw both of those witnessed to in this church. So thank you guys. This, I am a living testimony of a true evangelistic church where the gospel is preached and sinners are saved. So thank you. I promise I'm going to hold it together. I'm not. <laughs> um, so, my goodness. So about nine years ago, right? We um, 
he gathered a group of, I guess it was like 20 or so of us, and began to dream and pray about what it would look like for a church to be planted here in Fairfax. Um, I remember reading, we read a couple books together, I remember Total Church, and reading that book and being like, wow, Lord, what would it look like to, for people to be gathered um, and to live um, authentically in this way, um, for the gospel to be um, kind of repeated over each other as we kind of just do life on life together. And, um, and now it's crazy to look back on all of these years and to see um, how faithful the Lord is and how he indeed answers prayers. Um, And so as I think of what sojourn means to me, I mean, (laughs) it's family, as many people have said. Um, You guys have been um, the catalyst to kind of launch me um, overseas, and for that I'm always grateful. Um, And it's always, you know, I mean, sojourn is home, right? Like, I could be away for years and years and know that I could come home um, and be loved and, um, and yeah, and be home. Um, and so for that, I'm just so thankful. So I'm going to stop because I'm about to, like, lose it. So <laughs> I love you guys. Hello. Okay. I was the one that was open to the idea of dating. Um, so when I think about Sojourn, and the memories that are most precious to me, I think of, sorry, Kim. (laughs) Um, I kind of feel like, I'm sure some of you that have kids, like you give your kid a box and they decide to fill it with their treasures and then they show it to you. And to you it's like this, this, this kind of trash that you're showing me. Um, The memories that are most precious to me with Sojourn are the ones where, like collectively, we didn't know what to do except for come together and, and turn to Jesus. So I think of the service where we didn't know what to do, so all we did was read Philippians. Um, I, think of, I think of a service where um, the woman leading worship was really struggling and we were singing It Is Well With My Soul, and she couldn't continue to sing. And the church collectively got louder to, like, fill her silence. And it was like we didn't know what else to do except return to Jesus. Um, and I think of, like, the Mother's Day after my father died, and I was really struggling. And I left the church several times to just, like, go cry. And a few different people left with me to go pray and it was like we don't know what to do but let's turn to Jesus together Um, and I think of the week where our community group had to spontaneously change where we were meeting because our leader had just announced that he got a pretty devastating diagnosis and we didn't know what to do but we wanted to come together and turn to Jesus Um, And those are the kinds of memories that are most precious to me. Those are, those are my Ebenezers. Um, And I thank Sojourn for those Ebenezers.
emotional too, but oh, it's okay. I'm used to holding a baby and talking, so. I just want to say thank you for letting me be a pastor's wife. I got to can take this off. Who can just be herself <laughs> and who actually has friends at her church. <laughs> um, because I've talked to a lot of pastor's wives who that's not their experience. And um, they're really lonely. And there have definitely been some lonely, isolating times in the past years, but overall, um, you guys have just let me be myself, and um, I haven't felt this burden of expectations on me um, being married to a pastor, and so I just want to thank you guys. Um, I know that means that your faith is in Jesus and not in <laughs> me and Justin or me or whatever else that would lead you to put expectations on us um, that are not healthy and not meant to be. So um, I love you guys, and this is definitely a bittersweet <laughs> day for us. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to thank you for that because there's been so many times where um, I've just been able to say, God, thank you that I like, I have a church full of friends. Like, and yeah, I just know that that's not always the case for women who are whose husbands are in ministry. So. I love you guys. Well, we are going to continue to celebrate and give thanks. So if you wanted to share something, uh, we're going to have some time at our after party, Thanksgiving party outside here in a little bit. So please feel free to go up to the mic then. Or if you don't even feel comfortable, just to walk around and just celebrate the work that God has done in your life or in our community over this last bit of time that we've had together. You know, Sojourn, what has and will bind us together that we've heard from our brothers and sisters today isn't our affinities, uh, it isn't ethnicity, it isn't socioeconomic status. What binds us together has been and always will be Jesus and the good news of the gospel. In some ways, we're experiencing a conclusion as a church as we join together with Redeeming Grace Church, but like the Gospel of John, it's also a continuation, a dot, dot, dot. That there's more to come. Some things will change, but a lot is going to stay the same. We've always sought to exalt Christ. We've always sought to see Jesus increase and us decrease, to be a community that's only explainable because of the Gospel, that why we love each other and stick with each other and put up with each other and serve one another and love each other is because we see that that's what Christ has called us to and what he's done towards us. We've always sought to be disciples who make disciples, and that's who we will strive to be for years and years to come until he returns or calls us home. We've helped each other follow Jesus. You've helped me. You've helped me keep following Jesus. I need you just as much, so let's keep doing that. Let's keep pursuing Christ together for as long as God would allow us. All honor is due to Jesus. All of it's due to him. This is his church. It always has been and always will be. So brothers and sisters, let's remember that Jesus is at work and will continue to be at work in us and through us. And the world, the world cannot contain his greatness. Not then, not now, not ever. Amen.
You know, one of the things I love that we have done and will continue to do together as a church when we gather each Sunday is to take communion together. It's an individual and collective first response to the preaching of God's word. And so today we're gonna do that. It's a reminder of the fact, the reality that everything starts and ends with grace. We eat the bread, a picture of Jesus's body broken and given for us. We drink the cup, a picture of Jesus's blood shed for us. It's a reminder to us that it's through his life and his death and his resurrection that we're made alive, rescued from our sin and adopted into God's family forever. So as you eat and drink today, my encouragement to you, my hope for you is that your heart and your mind and your soul would be refreshed that God rescued you and he brought you to be a part of his global family, his universal family, but also to be a part of this family that he saw in his providence, saw fit for you to be here. And it was all for his glory, for your good and for the good of others. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, like I said at the beginning, my hope for you is that you would see how amazing Jesus is. So even just through the testimonies of these brothers and sisters, if you don't yet know Christ, I wanna encourage you to take him today to place your faith in him. Don't take communion today, but just take time to sit and think about that and let somebody around you know, we'd love to help you start following Jesus and learn what that's like. For those of you that will be taking communion, if you didn't grab the elements, you can go out in the lobby and grab those. And just take some time to rejoice, to give thanks for God's grace in your life. And then we'll stand and sing together some sojourn songs to wrap up our service with one another. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy God, faithful you are faithful through and through, always and forever. God, you sent your son at the perfect time to rescue us and redeem us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for rescuing us. We thank you for redeeming us. God, it wasn't because we were worthy of it. God, we were your enemies. We had spit in your face and rebelled and gone our own way. But God, you called us by name to yourself. And God, we give you thanks that you saw fit for us to be a part of this community and this church. And so God, we rejoice in that. We thank you for the time we've had together, whether this is our very first Sunday we've ever gathered with Sojourn, that we've been here for all of them. God, we're so grateful for the work you've done. We praise you for that. God, your works through Christ cannot be contained. We thank you for his work in us and through us, and we're hopeful for what you'll continue to do. So Father, by your spirit, help us every day to see Jesus and to show him to our neighbors and the nations until he returns or calls us home. God, we praise you today. We will praise you every day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.